I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review-Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, season two, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for First and Ten with your hosts, Vinny Bonsignor and Sam Gordon. It wasn't easy, but it was uh, part of the process. We lost a lot of players last year because of COVID. Uh, so did other teams. So, uh, you know, we're not going to totally disregard where this virus is and uh, the variants that are out there. But I'm not an expert on the virus. I'm just trying to get our football team ready to play, and I'm going to do the best I can to carry out the protocols that the league has and what our medical people advise. What is good, Raider Nation? Welcome back to Vegas Nation. First and 10, your weekly go-to for Raider news and analysis. And finally, actual Raiders training camp talk. Before I bring in uh, my great co-host, Sam Gordon, uh, my colleague here at the Las Vegas Review-Journal and Vegas Nation, VegasNation.com, just want to say that First and Ten is brought to you by the Las Vegas Las Vegas Review-Journal and presented by Blue Wire Hustle. Sam, we are on the eve of the opening of training camp, the first practice of training camp. Uh, we were out at Henderson, the writer's uh, headquarters today, as John Gruden spoke to the media for the first time uh, ahead of training camp. Uh, players were coming into the building. It, today was the official report date for veterans. So guys were getting their physicals, uh, doing their conditioning tests, getting their um, equipment uh, checked out, all of that good stuff ahead of uh, tomorrow's first day of training camp. But we did get to talk to John Gruden, and I thought he um, shared some uh, some nuggets uh, a few nuggets uh, heading into uh, training camp. First of all, welcome. And what were your first impressions of hearing John Gruden talk today? Well, first and foremost, Vinny, it was great to see you today yes. at, uh, at the practice facility in Henderson. Uh, I feel the, you could feel the football in the air, even though they didn't practice today. You could still feel it. And, oh, yeah. and um, as far as John Gruden's concerned, one of the big takeaways, and, and you're all over this uh, for the Review Journal, VegasStation.com, is the secondary. I mean, it felt like that was one of John Gruden's biggest talking points is that not only does he expect the secondary to be better, right? Like, that's that's obvious. But he expects it to be one of the strengths of the team. One of the strengths of the team. And one of, one of his quotes uh, that that, that I, I got a charge out of, I'll be really upset if they're not worth the price of admission. Yes, and exactly. That, that affirms the confidence that he has in Trayvon Mullen to continue to evolve into one of, into one of the better corners in the league. In Damon Arnett to bounce back, in Tyree Gillespie, in Trevon Merrick, in Casey Hayward, in Jonathan Abram, in all those guys, Nate Hobbs, the, the, the list goes down the line. So we know how much that that group struggled on um, on the back end last year. I can't wait to get out and see how that group looks this week, next week, as camp rolls along, given what Gruden talked talk to us about today it sounds like he thinks that the secondary is capable of really really big things yeah and um we're gonna get to that in a second because i'm with you and that's exactly what i wrote about today uh was the secondary um given how much it struggled last year uh, i think i wrote this in, in my lead um you know the last thing you would have expected john gruden to be most <laughs> fired up about today is the secondary but it sure seemed like he was truly fired up 
uh, about that group, like like you said. Uh, before we get to that, one other um, you know factor that kind of jumped out at me was the vaccination numbers. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, and and it kind of was a continuation uh, of a theme. You know, it, that's something that you know I feel like is is it's not necessarily flying under the radar, um, but I think that. You know, you know, maybe people aren't, you know, putting enough credence uh, into this whole thing. I think now as the news starts coming out about what the protocols are going to be like for the vaccinated players and the unvaccinated players, what the potential, um, you know, uh, teams being on the hook, if there's an outbreak on their team, especially, you know, uh, on these teams that are that are not vaccinated to the to the numbers that, um, you know, the, the, the league really wants to see and, and teams really want to see. There's going to be financial burdens if games have to be canceled, if games have to be postponed. And it's going to be on the team that where the outport where where, where where the you know uh, the, the outbreak was the, was the main source they're going to have to pay um so it's it's important and and it's a big deal because teams can get splintered i believe through all of this um you know it's going to be two different worlds uh for the ones that are vaccinated and the ones that aren't vaccinated um it could create a uh their world and their world type of a situation and so you don't know exactly where that all can lead which is why it's such good news for the Raiders, um, and I'd been checking on this, you know, pretty much weekly uh, throughout the offseason to see where they were uh, with their vaccination. And everything that I got during the offseason was they're in really good position. They're in really good position. It was hard to confirm because the NFL wasn't going to release any numbers. Uh, but today, for the first time, uh, John Gruden, you know, basically put a number on it. And he thinks that according to his calculations, all of his coaches are vaccinated and all but four or maybe five uh, of of his uh, his players are vaccinated, which puts that in the high nineties yeah. uh, in terms of uh, in terms of vaccination, which puts that in a in a in a, in a position where I think it's going to be much easier for the Raiders to manage this whole situation moving forward. So to me, that was some pretty good news for the Raiders as well. Well, huge, Vinny, and and, and John talked about it. Um, John Gruden talked about it today. You know, I've never really given statistics on COVID vaccinations, but I would say that. We have every man vaccinated on the staff. I could also say that I believe we have every man vaccinated on the team with the exception of about four or five guys. So we're proud of that. We're excited about that. We're also respectful of everybody's personal opinion. So we have to weigh that as well. But um, when it comes to vaccinations, we think most of our, our people have been just that vaccinated. The Raiders were really uh, afflicted by by the coronavirus last year, right? I mean, fines. He mentioned how he was fine. The organization was fine. Several players uh, dealt with the virus. There was the offensive line, of course, the Tampa Bay game. Who could forget about that? So the Raiders understand firsthand, um, one of a number of teams that understood firsthand how serious the virus is. And, and then, like you said, you, you, with, the, with the protocols and with the restrictions and with the, uh, the consequences for not being vaccinated – uh, it, it makes sense that that this team, this particular team, would choose to to to, to get vaccinated and handle it the way that they have, um, and that that bodes really well. I mean, of course, the, the obvious you risk far less risk um, in terms of, of of health, but in terms of availability as well, and being able to play the full season and not have to deal with these forfeits and making sure everybody gets paid, uh, it feels like the Raiders are on really good track. So I, I think that was definitely huge in a marquee development because we see around the league. Right. Like not every franchise is where the Raiders are. There are several franchises that aren't at at this level in terms of vaccination. And are those teams going to be comfortable 
you know, running that risk throughout the course of the season where, hey, I mean, that like maybe who knows what's going to happen. I mean, the virus certainly seems to be surging here. Who knows what's going to happen? Is somebody going to lose a game? That's eventually going to cost them a playoff spot as a result of this. I'm not sure. But based on like what you like what you said, based on what we know, based on what John Gruden told us today, feels like the Raiders are in pretty good shape and aren't going to have to be worried about those things nearly as much as some of the rest of the teams around the league. Absolutely. And, you know, part of sports, part of, um, you know, managing a sports season is managing risk and managing mitigating risk. Um, and, and, and honestly, when you really get down to the uh, bare nuts of it all, and yes, of course, you want everyone to be healthy. You want everybody to be safe uh, from the virus and all of that. But um, let's not be naive. For the from the NFL's perspective, they want to get a season in. Um, they want to maximize uh, all their contracts, all their TV contracts, all of that. Uh, and individual teams want to win football games. Period. Exclamation point. Welcome to the real world. Uh, and and one of the ways you do that is in any situation, whether it's injuries, whether it's you know uh, your roster, you know being strong at all you know, across the board, including special teams. What you're trying to do is eliminate as much uncertainty, as much risk as possible to put yourself in the best possible position to win games. COVID-19 right now is something that needs to be dealt with um, a little bit different than it was last year. Obviously, that's good news. Um, and, I, and, I, and I say all that to say this. Listen, I know just on Twitter and on social media, anytime you mention the vaccine or any of that, uh, it's a lightning rod and people have <laughs> opinions. And some of them, you know, John Gruden talked about it for you have people that are for it uh, as early as you could possibly get the vaccine. You have people that are dead set against it. There's a lot of reasons why that is the case, uh, Sam. I'm not going to get into all of them. Uh, we all know what we're t- what I'm talking about. But I have to say this. Obviously, it it ultimately comes down to each person's individual decision, what they want to do for themselves, their own person, their own life. Nobody is disputing that, um, Sam, at all. Yeah. But if you're, your freedom to make a choice that best suits you as an individual doesn't always align with the collective um, aspect of life, whether it's going to school, whether it's working in an office, whether it's playing professional football, whatever the case might be. So while you absolutely have the right to make a decision based on whatever your preference is, that doesn't mean your decision won't be open to some sort of, um, you know, uh, it, it won't have an effect for you as an individual in a collective uh, uh, aspect, whether it's being a part of the population, the workforce, going to school, whatever the case might be. So the notion that, oh, well, the, the NFL can't have two sets of rules for the people that are vaccinated and people that aren't vaccinated, hogwash, they can. Just try getting into school. I have kids. Uh, you know, my kids being able to go to public schools since the kindergarten yeah. was predicated on them being vaccinated for, you know, any number of things. And that's just how the world works. So I'm not going to get into the politics of it all. Uh, we know what we're talking about in that regard. Uh, but the NFL has every right, just as any private business has any right, uh, to mandate certain things. They can't tell you to get vaccinated, but they're well within their rights. And anything that the NFL does has to be collectively bargained with the Players Association. So it's not like they could just you know, mandate something or say something. It has to be agreed upon with the players union. This is what the players union 
and the NFL owners have come uh, uh, together on. These are the rules. Some rules are obviously different for vaccinated players and unvaccinated players. It's just the reality of the world. Well, like you said, Vinny, this is like this is a business and the NFL is doing what's best for business. And as a result, a, n- a majority of the Raiders players are doing what's best for, for business, not right. only the team and the collective, but person personally as well, because I mean, who wants to miss out on some money because you didn't get the vaccine, right? And it, as it turns out, a majority of the Raiders players don't want to do that. So um, you're right. That, that, that's what the NFL is. At the end of the day, it's a business. And like you said, they're not forcing anybody to do anything. It's simply, look, there are choices and then there are consequences for those choices, right. both positive and negative. And we saw the set of, you know, potentially quote unquote negative consequences that unvaccinated players may face or that a team may face if there is some kind of outbreak and uh, and the Raiders are cautioned, are positioned well to caution themselves against those. So um, I think that was huge, huge development and really curious to see how, how this takes shape across the NFL as more and more information comes out, more and more um, percentages and as, as those kinds of things get shared because, you know, like – yeah, it's not. We're not where we at where we were at in 2020. But this the the, the virus. There's it still is kind of a cloud that's hanging over everything. Certainly here in Las Vegas and certainly in the NFL as well. So um, good on good on Gruden and good on the Raiders for 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 handling their business. And uh, and now with that in mind, you know they can focus more on on football instead of having to worry about the distractions like they did last year. If you love listening to us here on Vegas Nation, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? And there's no place better to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms and the best part is you can get all of this for just 15 dollars a month the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup so if you're ready to do more than just listen to us talk about your favorite team then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. first round he's an opening day starter so he's a big part of us moving forward uh, he had the virus he had an injury to his thumb uh, he also had concussion injuries so he was an incomplete performer for us last year but he's as good a corner as we have talent wise on this team we think he and Trayvon Mullen Casey Hayward 
uh, some of the other people that are in the mix now give us depth competition and some some interesting matchups. So uh, I'm, I'm fired up about the secondary. Uh, the safety is completely unsolved. We've got some high draft choices there playing down. Uh, we got some high draft choice choices playing deep, and we have a great secondary coach in Ron Milas. So if I'm a Raider fan, I'm coming out here watching practice. I'm going to keep a close eye on this secondary. It should be a strength of ours. If it isn't, uh, we've made some real mistakes. Okay, so uh, you mentioned it, Sam, and uh, I was right there with you uh, in terms of John Gruden's um, kind of gushing over the secondary. And a couple multiple points, times, too. Yes. Multiple times. Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I know, and, and I asked him the question about Tyree Gillespie. Um, you know, uh, keep an eye on Tyree Gillespie. Uh, it's just somebody that, you know, when I've been doing my detective work uh, during the offseason um, and checking in on guys and, you know, trying to get a handle on things, it's a name that's that keeps coming up. Now, look, um, it's one thing to flash with shorts and helmets and out there playing touch football during OTAs. Um, and, and, it's an, and it's an entirely other thing uh, to do it when the pads, you know, come on. Um, that's usually differentiates, you know, the, uh, the the guys that are just the sort of the the wonders in, in shorts and, and shoulder pads and a helmet and the ones that are going to be able to bring it when the, light, the real lights go on. But I have to say this before we get to the full secondary. The thing about Tyree Gillespie is that part. That whole part with the um, with the, with the pads, that's where he truly excels. So, right. like, that's the part of his game that everyone talks about is the physicality that he brings. What I think is encouraging for the Raiders and for Raider fans is that he obviously showed it on the mental side uh, during OTAs, which is very important as well, and then applying it on the on the on the football field. Uh, so he's firmly planted himself uh, on on their radar. He's going to have a role this year. John Gruden talked about for sure special teams. Uh, I don't think it's going to be too long before he he figures out a way uh, to get on, on the field. Now, that's one point. The other point I wanted to make real quickly, Sam, uh, and then uh, get your thoughts is, you know, as I was writing it, it was it's kind of ironic that John Gruden talks about this group being a strength when the reality is there's one, two, two to maybe even three spots that are completely open right now for competition. So he's talking about the secondary being what he considers could be a strength of the team. And yet only two starting positions, Trayvon Mullen at one cornerback and probably Jonathan Abram uh, at, at box safety truly being, um, you know, uh, firmly set right now. And even in, but, but in Abram's, you know, Jonathan's case, if he doesn't play well, uh, they're, they're, he's, he probably won't be for long at, at, at his position. Okay, so logically you would think, okay, how could he be talking about that being a position of strength when really he only has two starters identified right now? But you have to look at it from the opposite end of that to me. And I want to get your thoughts here, Sam. I think what he sees is a whole bunch of players that he can he feels comfortable with, whether they're starters or role players, uh, that they're going to be able to man all the, whatever positions are, are still up for grabs, not only be able to adequately man those positions with the depth that they have and the players that they have on hand, but also those backup positions uh, as well. So I just feel like he feels like, yeah, okay, we don't quite know who the starters are going to be, but but it's actually 
a good thing. It's it means that they're not having to settle on any players. They, there's an open competition because there's multiple good players on hand to potentially compete for those jobs. So I think out of all of that, with all the competition, all the names that he named, they're going to be able to come up with not just a good solid starting group, but also good start, good good quality depth as far as the rotational pieces. I'm I'm with you 100. And we kind of you know we touched on it. We saw how this roster was being built out and what they were doing to address different position groups throughout the course of the offseason, right? Going back to free agency and then in the draft and then a- as the summer continues. And this was a, a an area where there wasn't a lot of depth last year. There wasn't a lot of experience. And there wasn't a lot of players that you can count on or that you can rely on. There was a lot of youth. And now you're looking at this unit. Yeah, some of those things are still true. For the most part, it's a younger unit. But you have veterans. You have guys that are that that are familiar um, that that have been in the you know in the proverbial trenches, so to speak. You have a Casey Hayward. You have you know even a guy like Carl Joseph, a veteran that's been there and done that with this particular team. You have a Rasul Douglas. You have the young guys now that are progressing that are going to be in year two, year three, uh, and then you have again Gus Bradley and Ron Milas, who have a track record as we've touched on for the last eight months of player development and and putting guys in position to be successful. So yeah, you take a look at that unit now. That's the biggest thing, the depth and the competition that's going to come with it. So, yeah, maybe you don't know who your starting outside corner is and who your starting slot corner is or what you're exactly you're, you're doing for sure at free safety. But you got two, three guys that you feel good about that whoever's out there is going to be able to produce. And maybe you don't know who that is yet, but you figure it out. And, and they're in a position where they, again, competition. They get they have multiple players who they feel confident in where the best of the cream is going to rise to the top. And then, be like you said, beyond that, you're going to have depth because as we know, Especially now, I think with the 17 game season, football is a, is, is a game of attrition, right? The, the healthiest team. It's it, a lot of times. It's who 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 is the last man standing? Who is the last team standing? Now that there's depth in the defensive backfield, I, I feel like based on what Gruden was saying today, that there's some comfort internally that knowing that hey, regardless of how this thing shakes out, who wins what position, we have guys that are versatile enough to fill different holes, to, to fill different needs, and to build out a much much better unit than they had a year ago. And and it makes sense because. They really invested a lot of capital into building out that unit. Yeah, and it's always been my experience, uh, Sam. When 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 coaches go that far out on a limb, as John did today, uh, and you know, obviously he's optimistic. Obviously, he's fired up. It's the day before training camp. Uh, you know, what he says today might be completely different than what he's talking about or feeling two months from now. Uh, but it's always been my experience that coaches don't normally give it up like that, just for the sake of giving it up. You know, um, I, I think he he like you said internally he feels good about what he's seen thus far and is excited about where that group uh and ends up going and there's no doubt that um anything less than like he said it's going to be a strength of the team i wrote that at this point let's be honest the raiders would take basic competence uh, yeah. from that group uh, this year and yeah. even if they are able to get that it'll yeah. be a huge improvement um from last year now Having said that, we're talking about the back end of the defense. Uh, it really does all start up up front. And uh, as much as as John was gu- uh, gushing about that secondary, he also gave it up for uh, the retooled defensive line. And I know in in in, in talking to him during the offseason, um, he's been fired up about this group too um, for for a while now. And you know, he mentioned Yannick Yannick Ngakwe. I think he kind of echoed what a lot of us that watched OTAs. Uh, really saw, especially in minicamp, that's when Unique and Gakwe showed up. So, so during those two days of practice, when when Unique was there, I'm not kidding around, Sam. Like, there's a 
there's a difference between him and everybody else. And that's not taking away anything from anybody else because Max Crosby looked really good. I thought uh, Clee Farrell looked good. Carl Nassib was in tremendous shape during during OTAs and minicamp. The, the rest of the guys looked pretty good uh, and looked solid enough and, and able to contribute. But Unique Ngakwe just has that you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you just all yeah. you have to do is watch it for about a minute and go, OK, this dude is different. And I think Gruden you spoke about that as well today, too. Yeah. I mean, 45 and a half sacks been over the last five years. That's, you know, over nine sacks a year. Right. Like that's that's production on on the edge. That is real. That is real pressure. And you go back, you know, in terms of his capabilities, 2017 led the NFL in force fumbles with six of them and had 12 sacks. So when he's at his best, he is one of the better Edge rushers, one of the better pass rushers in the league, and we all know. I mean, again, it's it's cliche. It might be an adage at this point, but any good defense starts with an effective pass rush. And now that they have depth on that defensive line, they have a a a, a guy who they feel is a premier pass rusher, Unique Nagakwe, that's recorded no fewer no fewer than eight sacks in each of his five professional seasons. I think you're going to see a domino effect as a result um, of having him. He makes everybody else better because offensive offensive lines are going to have to deal with him in a different way. You have more depth on that defensive line as a whole. Guys are fresher. the the way The way blocking schemes are set up is a little different because you have somebody as disruptive as Nagakwe, and it feels like that defensive line is poised to make a big jump in terms of of pressure and in terms of hurries and all these things that can allow that retooled and, and improved secondary uh, an opportunity to, to flourish on the back end and maybe create some turnovers. This, this defense last year didn't get record nearly enough sacks, didn't pressure the quarterback nearly enough, and did not record nearly enough turnovers. And now you're in a position where, yeah, you're stronger on the defensive line, you're stronger in the secondary, and you bring back a linebacking core that the sense I, I got, again, today, is that they, they feel pretty good about where they're at a linebacker. Now you have the makings, potentially. Again, got to see how it shakes out once camp starts and once we get into the preseason. But you have the makings of a, of a defense that can at least keep you in some games uh, and be, uh, like you said, competence. Be competent, be productive, and complement what the offense what the offense did is going to do, and what they did last year, and whatnot. So, yeah, they're set up. They're in a much, much, much better spot. And you could feel again, you could feel the enthusiasm. And like you said, maybe it's just the day before camp, but I think there's there's real energy there because. Gruden knows that 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 this defense is going to be much much different, not only with the personnel but with the coaching staff on the other end of that as well. And you know, to uh, to kind of um, uh, bottom line, what Sam just eloquently said, everything that Sam just eloquently said, especially as it relates to Yannick Ngagwe. Uh, if I'm reading between the lines, um, Sam, I think what you're saying was. Ngakwe is a difference maker or has the potential yes. to be a di- difference maker, yes. right? You, you you mentioned the sacks. You also mentioned the fumbles. What he is is a disruptor. And the Raiders haven't had that difference-making disruptor defensively, especially on that defensive line, for a while now. Yes, Max Crosby um, you know, was good in his rookie year. I thought struggled last year a little bit. Um, he, you know, he could be online for a, uh, a bounce-back season himself. But the the de- down in and down out disruptive difference maker defensive lineman the Raiders has just been lacking uh, for a little while now and if he can be that guy as you said it changes everything the entire dynamics on the on the defensive line and and, and uh, you know John also mentioned uh, Solomon Thomas he mentioned Quentin Jefferson uh, he mentioned uh, Darius Phylon. quick note on Darius Phylon, by the way. 
I have to say, I don't want to throw the kid under the bus, but he looked a little heavy. It looked a little heavy during OTAs, which is why it was encouraging when John pointed Darius out for coming in at what, 290 something or so? Yeah, yeah uh, under 300 pounds. Yep. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Darius uh, tomorrow when we get a chance to see him. Because I think what, basically what happened is since OTAs and training camp, uh, he, 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 he got to work on, on losing some weight and getting in underweight or where the Raiders wanted him to be. And that's no small thing, especially, and in, 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 in Gruden pointed this out, here's a guy that hadn't played football for two years. Uh, and, you know, it's tough staying in shape or that kind of shape when you're a big dude uh, to begin with when you're not out there playing. And you can't get out there and, you know, be part of the, uh, the, the world-class uh, nutrition and, and weight room work and, and conditioning work that, that NFL teams do. Uh, it, it's it's it, and this is a difference between this year and last year, Sam. Last year, Darius Phylon would be showing up for the first day on training camp, and if he showed up in training camp the way he kind of looked in OTAs, it would be a long process getting him <laughs> into the yeah, kind of shape yeah, yeah. they're going to need him. Whereas this year they had OTAs, he was able to get back into a building, um, see where he was physically, understand where he needed to be physically, and it sure seems like um, uh, he took advantage uh, of that by coming in uh, where the Raiders wanted him to be physically. Yeah, absolutely, and that you know, based on what Gruden said today, he wasn't the only one that came in in shape. The sense I got is that everybody, you know, he feels pretty good about where everybody's at physically. And, uh, and that they're ready to roll. And that's, you know, again, one of the benefits of having a full offseason program where you can kind of gauge where guys are at, you know, maybe provide some instruction and then get everybody ready for training camp. Um, I want to ask you this, Vinny. Uh, we know the defense should be a lot better this year. There's The offense is going to look a little different. Based on what, what John Gruden had to say today, you know, touched on the offensive line and the, the receiving core, what are you most excited about or what are you most intrigued by when it comes to the offense this year and, and the changes that the Raiders have made on that side of the ball. Well, I can't wait to see uh, Alex Leatherwood. Um, you know, uh, I think we, we talked about, we may have talked about this on a, uh, on a recent podcast, but um, you know, I had lunch with uh, Lincoln Kennedy uh, a couple weeks back and um, you know, he had explained to me how Leatherwood was on the radars, the, the Raiders radar long before this draft uh, process yeah. started. He was a guy that, that, that caught their eye, uh, specifically their, their, their offensive line coach, uh, Tom Cable, when he was a freshman at Alabama. And in fact, you know, uh, Tom called Lincoln, one of his good friends, and obviously one of the best offensive tackles that the Raiders have ever had, said, hey, man, keep an eye on this kid from uh, Alabama named Leatherwood. So, the, so from that point on, Lincoln has been a keen uh, observer of of, uh, of of Alex Leatherwood and was kind of fretting during draft night, worried that the Raiders weren't going to be able to draft him. So it wasn't like, you know, based on some of the public reaction, you know, the Raiders reached on Alex Leatherwood. You know, what were they thinking? Well, this was in the plans for quite some time. He was on the Raider, uh, Raiders radar for quite some time. And, and listening to John talk about Alex today, I mean, I think he said, I don't want to I don't want to misquote John, but I think he said, I love Alex Leatherwood. <laughs> Didn't he? Did he say something? I mean, I, I, something I very, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, you know, and, and there's a lot to like about him. Uh, just watching him in OTAs, how big and physical and athletic he is. And one thing that Lincoln told me, he's super smart, you know, smart as a whip. So that's going to uh, also help. So I'm, I'm really interested to in seeing um, Alex Leatherwood, Andre James uh, at center, some of that retooled offensive line. Uh, but, you know, uh, aside from that, 
obviously Henry Ruggs, you know, yeah. uh, yep. <laughs> right. So uh, it, it's the, the fastest guy on the team, one of the fastest guys in the NFL, a guy I think the Raiders have to figure out a way to tap into much more than they did last year. It'll help if he stays healthy. That's a big thing that, you know, plagued him and Damon Arnett. We didn't even talk about Damon Arnett, by the way, in the secondary, but it looks like, you know, uh, he's a, he's still um, somebody that the Raiders think highly of and he's is going to be in the, in the mix in that secondary, uh, certainly. Um, but for sure, Henry Ruggs offensively. What about you? Uh, fun fact about Henry Ruggs, me 98 speed rating in Madden, second fastest among the wide receivers, only behind Tyreek Hill. So that speed is dangerous. Um, yeah, you, you touched on it. Henry Ruggs is a guy I want to see. Um, of course, I've talked about the offensive line throughout the course of the offseason. That, that we know that everything, every good offense starts and ends with the offensive line. So, yes, that's impo- it's important that that group takes shape. But I think Henry Ruggs is primed. Uh, of course he is. He's primed for a much better um, 2021 than, than, than 2020. And, and we saw his effects. We know how that speed affected that offense throughout the course of last season, even if it didn't necessarily reflect in production. Of course, the Raiders want him to be more productive. But I thought one, inch, one interesting thing that, that John Gruden touched on was, was was the presence of John Brown. And John Brown's a guy that, that's been one of the best deep threats in the league uh, since he came, since he entered the league with the with the Cardinals, you know, several years ago and has had a thousand yard seasons before with Buffalo and still can get deep. And, you know, he talked about, hey, maybe Brown can, can, can continue to help Henry Ruggs, you know, refine some routes and learn how to run different routes and learn how to really tap into that speed the way he has throughout the course of his career. So I think – He's in line for an uptick in production and, and a much bigger role because without Nelson Aguilar, whom Gruden said they, they're going to miss, uh, there's going to be a, an opportunity there to be that kind of number, you know, number one receiver, number two option in the passing game behind Darren Waller. And, and it, it feels logical that Henry Ruggs w- would help fill that void and step up and be ready to go in that role. Yep, absolutely. And um, I think the Raiders, you know, uh, wide receiver group, um, there's a lot to offer. Uh, there's a lot to like, uh, especially if Henry Ruggs uh, takes the necessary step forward. Brian Edwards uh, himself going into his second year um, can emerge as a uh, as somebody that they can rely on. But you mentioned John Brown and Willie Snead. That's why you go out and get veteran players like like those two. Yep. Um, you know, and, and it's not so much on a just in case the other guys don't work out basis. You just know what you're going to be able to get in John Brown. Uh, you know what you're going to be able to get in Willie Snead need um and it's just going to make the whole room that much better uh so i think the wide receiver group um is 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 going to be fine i think that i think that that's something that i don't think raider fans necessarily need to worry about uh it could be fine to really really good especially if henry ruggs uh emerges in year two uh it's weird to say that we're going to go an entire podcast without talking about the quarterback Derek carr but (laughs) We're pretty much going to do that uh, here. Derek talks uh, tomorrow, the first day of, of actual practices. So we'll hear what uh, what uh, Mr. Carr has to say about the state of the Raiders and where he believes that they are. I know that he's super excited about this season. And, um, you know, he feels like, and we talked about this on, on one of the previous podcasts, he feels like the Raiders were pretty darn close last year to being a playoff team, an 11-win team. Uh, I think that he is guardedly optimistic uh, to the point of trying to almost um, tie his hands together so he doesn't get too, too excited about sure. it all. Like he's just yeah. trying to suppress it a little bit, but he, I think he believes that the Raiders made the necessary moves to be an even better team. And he's, he's uh, champing at the bit uh, to get out there and see what it's all about. And, uh, and to, and, and to get the team on the field 
uh, in competition mode and see where they're at. It'll be uh, nice to hear from Derek uh, tomorrow. Um, and then by the time we reconvene Sam next week, we're going to have basically a full week of practice yeah. uh, to, to really chew on and, and talk about. And some of these how John Gruden feels about the secondary, how John Gruden feels about Alex Leatherwood and, and Yannick Ngakwe. We're going to have our own thoughts uh, yes, on, those, on, on all of that uh, coming coming up next week when we reconvene. Uh, but until then, Sam, I just want to say thank you uh, for, for doing the great job that you do. I want to say thanks to Larry Muir, our great producer, uh, for always making us sound good and being flexible, uh, as always. Truly appreciate that because we're trying to do the best we can for our listeners and our readers. Uh, and sometimes you have to uh, move, maneuver around the chessboard uh, to, to maximize that. And so we would thank Larry for always being flexible in that regard. I want to thank all the listeners. Uh, we really appreciate it. Like I mentioned, we do this for you guys uh, and we're happy to do it. Check us out on Vegas Nation uh, with the app Vegas Nation. You can go to VegasNation.com uh, and check us out that way. Uh, we're all over all the various different ways that you can get the, uh, the podcast. Uh, so check that out. Uh, thanks to Las Vegas Review Journal, obviously, and Blue Wire Hustle as well uh, for bringing uh, us to you guys. Until next week. I'm Jeff Gehrman, an investigative reporter with the Las Vegas Review Journal. In partnership with the Mob Museum, I'm your guide for season two of Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas. A true story about money. And so it was their piggy bank. They had the ability to get loans for whoever they wanted to get loans for. Crime. You're in with every gangster and hoodlum in the United States. I don't go for that, Mr. Kennedy. I don't go for that kind of action. And the battle to control the strip. I was on television accused of fronting for the mob. We were very angry and very upset, and we knew we had been double-crossed. Subscribe to Mobbed Up, The Fight for Las Vegas, Season 2, today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by Pro Group Management. Additional sponsorship provided by El Cortez and the Golden Steer.